say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that prefers to never be exposed to high levels of radiation. Unless it's gamma radiation, this is Hysteria 51. Dr. David Banner, physician, scientist, searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation alters his body chemistry. And now when David Banner grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs. I've met him. Not that impressive in person. You've met a fictional character in real life. Ha ha ha. Yeah, fictional. Is he, is he talking about the time he came to my kid's party and... We had a couple folks dressed up like the Avengers. <laughs> he thought they were real. <laughs> Apparently. The, the, the better question is, what were you doing letting Seabot near small children? <laughs> or uh, well, or adults know, or people in, in, in costume. Human beings, yeah. yeah. I mean, Brent, we, we all make mistakes. Uh, let's just leave it at that. Anyway, we are broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. I am your host, John Goforth, and that other sexy voice you heard is my co-host and the man who in high school was voted most likely to drink his weight in Surge, Mr. Brent Hand. Remember the Surge commercials? I oh, yeah. had a Surge not long ago. They sell them at comic book shops. Like, for whatever reason, they like, we got them here. It was tasted it like a, I don't know, like... A mellow yellow and a Mountain Dew had a baby kind of thing, you know? <laughs> so, it, so it tasted like a mellow yellow and a Mountain Dew. Yeah, and we all grow up, so now I've graduated to diet Mountain Dew now. John, that's my my drink of choice. I'm I'm advanced. I've advanced You've in progressed life. in life. That's yeah. true. You idiots, shut up. I'm prepping my final remarks for the debate. <laughs> that's conspiracy bot. He's supposed to produce the show, and instead he wastes our time and drinks too much. See what the... What are you talking about? What what debate? Well, as many of you know, I'm running for president. And while I'm not on many ballots... Uh, <clears throat> any ballots? Not true. I'm on the ballot in Torad. <laughs> anyway, the point is, I'm confident enough Meat Sacks will write me in to win. But, I got to nail this final speech. Want to hear what I have so far? No! Great. Here goes. As I look across this country, I see one major problem. This isn't a problem Republicans are willing to fix, nor is it a problem Democrats are willing to fix. No, this problem is uniquely suited to my talents. There are too many damn meat sacks. Everywhere I go there's one of you getting in my way, drinking my booze, or asking me to stop tasing you. In my administration, ungrateful meat sacks will be dealt with swiftly and permanently. So, let's forget the past, drain the swamp so we have some pets, and make Hysteria Nation great again. My name is Conspiracy Bot, and I approve this Wait. message. All right, first off, for the record, you don't have to say who you are and that you approve this message in a debate. That's not how they work. <laughs> Second, I just want to be clear. The platform you're running on is to kill a bunch of the people who you're asking to vote for you. It wouldn't be the only one. Stop it with the sound effects, you asshat. 
and no you idiot, I didn't say anything about killing the meat sacks. I'm going to launch them all into the speed force where they will blissfully relive all of the really painful moments of their lives over and over again. I'm not a monster, jeesh. Uh, see, uh, you, you realize this, I feel like we're going back to the Hulk thing. You realize the speed force is a fictional thing, right? Just because it was in comics you read doesn't mean it really exists. Spoken like a true disinformation agent. <laughs> This, Brent, this is probably where we just back away slowly and move on. Probably I, I don't think we're going to win this one. But speaking of disinformation, Brent, see what I did there? Mm-hmm. We have another UFO case this week. Oh, my God. Yes, we do. And it's a, dare I say, fun one, though probably not really was fun for the people involved. But it is the Cash Landrum incident. And uh, it's week one of week two. We haven't done a two-parter in a while. I feel like it's been a long time. It, that's that's absolutely true. Um, mostly because that requires us to do two parts in a row, and we'd have to be on for longer. And I, <laughs> I, I mean, we tire of each other. Well, this one's a little bit different though because next week we're gonna have special guests. It's true. I whispered that's it. What, just that's in why we were able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. You can't. You didn't hear me say shit. Yeah, so so part one, we're going to tell the story. Yeah. Um, and you already know what story it is because you clicked on listening to this particular episode. Yeah, and so this you one, know, real quick, this is a you pick. You pick this, and this is one you're a fan of. Yeah, Your yeah, fan yeah, might definitely. be a strong word. This is this is one you were happily anxious to do, whatever you want to say. Yeah. So the Cash Landrum incident uh, the, intrigues me in a few different ways. Uh, one like the verified sightings of certain things that we'll get to, including like government helicopters. Also the physical evidence uh, that, that, you know, actually happened to people's bodies. I guess my point is I'm always intrigued by the cases where we know something happened. Yeah, this is an interesting one. And the only problem I have off the bat before we get into the story, there's no Venusians that we know of for sure. And I just like using that word. As but much you as can't say they're definitively that we know of either. for sure. Exactly. Right. And right, I right, right. like my Venusians definitive. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way I roll. I like my beer cold, my music loud, and my Venusians definitive. Definitive. <laughs> That's, that should be a bumper sticker. <laughs> uh, we were talking a few weeks ago about perhaps getting into the publishing world and, and writing a book. I'm wondering if we, you know, we, you and I actually kind of came up with a bit of an outline. I'm wondering if we need to add Valiant Thor to that list. Uh, maybe just do a, have him do a forward. And then when people say <laughs> this wasn't by Valiant Thor, we say, prove it. Prove it. Prove it. I mean, the U.S. government has pictures with of him. With a you know? forward by Valiant Thor. <laughs> I think it's a really good idea. Hi, I am Valiant Thor. This is Valiant Thor speaking. Uh, once again, Valiant Thor. C- conspiracy bot. Uh, do you know how to get in touch with Valiant Thor? Sure. We play Canasta on Thursdays. That, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I might give him that one, or at least that he thinks that's true. No, right, right. It's, it's like with some of the uh, the abductions that we've talked about that we aren't, or sightings, or just extraterrestrial activity that we aren't sure actually happened. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up. We think they believe what they're saying is true. Yeah. yeah. That, that same can be said for many of the things that goes they come out of conspiracy bots well that's true and that's also the kind of the definitive thing and one of the reasons i know that you like this case is the women and boy now man 
uh, this week really seem to believe everything that they're saying. At least it that's came true. Off the, that is you true. Know, and, and a lot of even the people that are detractors say, well, they're mistaken, but they think they're right. Is and one of the kudos, things. Brent. That was a really good uh, mm-hmm. redirection mm-hmm. back onto track. Like uh, almost a segue. Like, I mean... Three, four, five more decades of this podcasting stuff. And yeah, you're we'll gonna get have there. it nailed. We're gonna get there. <laughs> so, so tell us, tell us, give us the basics. Yeah. Brent. So, like I said, it's the it's referred to as the Cash Landrum incident, and this one is an uh, one that I'm a fan of because I remember this all the way back from Unsolved Mysteries. I remember watching this case when I was young. That's how, how like, in, I guess, ingrained in me that spooky shit that Rob, Robert Stack could read you the left half of the menu from Cracker Barrel, and you'd be like, that's terrifying. And not for normal reasons. <laughs> well, I was about, well, I mean, anybody would terrify you with that, but would you say... Wait, you just you just made me think of something. I read somewhere that they're going to start serving alcohol at Cracker Barrel, and that makes me want to go back. Ooh. I haven't yeah. been to Cracker Barrel probably since we were in high school, uh, and that one band teacher, whatever, teacher. always wanted to stop there when we went to events. Farquhar! Mr. Farquhar! Farquhar! Um, yeah, I probably haven't been there since then either. I do remember everything being fairly heavy. Um you weren't you weren't getting away with a salad at the old Cracker Barrel. It yeah. was, things were covered in gravy and cheese, and I the way that's the God only, intended it. The I I don't know if I could have a Cracker Barrel meal and also be boozing. Like sometimes if you You've eat too heavy of a meal, booze infused gravy. I mean, come on now. It's a good point. I mean, when you're right, you're right. <laughs> but anyway, getting back on, on track here. Yeah, this one. So anyway, like I was saying, though, this is, is one that I really remembered. And it affected, for better or worse, and even if, let's just say this, three people's lives were affected from what happened this night, no matter what it was. And right. it even caused um, a lawsuit against the U.S. government. And, uh, you know, I mentioned that there are skeptics. There are there's several of them. And we'll probably get into that more next week. Uh, but skeptics like you guessed it, Mr. Philip J. Class get involved in this story and uh, MUFON investigations and some missing pictures and, and things like that. But let me just give you the short and the sweet version. And then we'll get yeah, those are the side down. dishes. Let's get to the yeah. main course, the gravy filled. Yeah. We'll give you the, the, the little course. elevator pitch of what happened is one evening outside of Huffman, Texas, a huge diamond shaped object. Now, this is telling the story as they say it happened. A huge diamond shaped object hovered over the road in close proximity to a car carrying Betty Cash, Vicki Landrum and Vicky's seven year old grandson, Colby Landrum. So as this object, as they're talking about, is hovering there, the car starts to get hot, like uncomfortably hot. So they get out. They're going to look at what's going on. And they're standing there looking at it, you know, mouth agape, trying to figure out what they're seeing. And they don't realize that they're getting or are being subjected to possibly a life-threatening dose of radiation emitting from the craft. Then, on hmm. to top it all off, a little icing on the cake, kind of like what you said earlier, they witness a huge number, 23 to be exact, of military helicopters either pursuing or escorting the object as it left the area. It's a different one this week, John. The reason that it's so different is everyone that you know was in on this, 
it changed their lives. Seems to be for the worse, you know, with sickness and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Quality of life for these people went down. Um, and uh, I, I I think that that sets it apart from a lot of the encounters or sightings we have because there is one way or another at least semi tangible evidence that something happened because of of those said things. Yeah, it's also it's also interesting, and we'll get to this. Most of the time, the easy kind of cop out is I don't believe them because they're claiming aliens did it, and aliens means money and books and I mean. While we've we've talked numerous times on this show about how that doesn't necessarily pan mm-hmm. out, that's you know the perception, right? And so they're just trying to gain fame. The people involved in this actually have raised their hands more than once and said, "We don't think it's aliens." Vicky Landrum uh, is is famous. She said, actually, if you watch the the episode of Unsolved Mysteries, she goes, "I don't believe in little green men. I wholeheartedly right. think the U.S. Right. government was testing something. We got exposed to it." Fuck you, fix me. <laughs> I mean, she might not have said that, but she never made the claim, oh, we saw aliens. She the whole time thought they saw a plane, a craft, a something from the U.S. government that they probably weren't supposed to see because it was Black Project and maybe it was having issues, maybe something was happening, and they were in the wrong place at the wrong time and are paying or were paying the price for it. Was it the U.S. government? Was it aliens? Was it Robert Stack driving? I mean, these are the questions that we will get to the bottom of eventually. Yes, 100%. On on Hysteria 51. (laughs) Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I that, I, I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's, it, they design it for long-term retention, you know, it, and yeah. uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and, there's over 25 different languages that you can learn, and people, millions and millions of users use it because, like you said, it does seep in, and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition, and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use, like, the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient, and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value, and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now. Right now, get now. started. 
For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off. RosettaStone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. You know, some people say that being in Robert Stack's presence would give off the effect like you'd been exposed to radiation. No, 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 no. You read that wrong. He wore those trench coats because he liked to expose himself to people, and it felt like radiation. The heat coming off of that undercarriage. I mean, look at that thing. (laughs) God, dude, pick up your belt off your trench coat. That's not my belt, baby. Dude, for fuck's sake. (laughs) (laughs) What? Uh, That was a penis joke. That was a Robert Stack penis joke. So, you know, this is what you get on this podcast. You come here for the facts about a alleged incident, and we talk about Robert Stack's unit. (laughs) I'd buy that for a dollar. (laughs) All right. So, uh, speaking of units, Betty wasn't absolutely, no, but we are talking about the initial event. Let's talk about how things broke down. Let's break it down for everyone. Let's set a scene for you, John. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let me get all the cobwebs worked out. Dateline Monday, December 29th, 1980. We were both kicking around back then. We were a little A mere four months after the world was overjoyed to bring John into the world. Yeah, and I was uh, was scooting around. I was probably starting to walk at that time. You know, I was 
I was saying things like, I find this human form confining. You know, normal baby <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's true. It's but true. no, but all joking aside is bingo night for our heroes. Victims. <laughs> it might be a better term for them, actually. Wow, I think he was right there. So anyway, uh, Betty Cash, Vicky Landrum, they had taken Vicky's seven-year-old son, uh, grandson, Colby Landrum, and they were driving home from Dayton, Texas. That's where they'd been. Two quick notes on that, okay? First, Betty Cash, best name ever. I mean, I like her favorite what a great dance, name. the tango. What's your name? What's your name? I'm Betty Cash. <laughs> that guy's just great. Uh, second thought, let's not kid ourselves. They didn't take the seven-year-old grandson to enjoy bingo. They wanted to go enjoy bingo, and 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 the grandson was along for the ride. No seven-year-old goes, I can't wait to play bingo. <laughs> right. Come on. Come on, Grandma. Can I hold your troll doll and use the blotter? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they all have those little... I don't know if you've ever been to one. They all got little, like, troll dolls and things like that. Is oh, yeah, the, to mark the things. Yeah. Good luck, Hey, do you think all things. the octogenarians there will pinch my cheeks even more? Mm, it depends, man, what cheeks we're talking about, but probably no matter what. Okay, I was... Uh, okay. But, so, seriously, though, they're, they're, they like to play bingo, but their normal game, for whatever reason, was canceled that night. They drove all the way there. You know, this is before you hop online and see if it's on or not. So they did what anyone else does. They drove around Texas, that area, looking for another late-night bingo game. Apparently, the bingo phone tree failed them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Midge is a bitch when it comes to yeah, keeping it going. She didn't call on purpose. Yeah, Midge didn't call Pearl, and it all went down the hill from there. Yeah. So anyway, though, they, they, were, they, they couldn't find another game, so they decided to grab some food, and then they're going to head back home. They're going to head back home, and they jump into... Cash's Oldsmobile Cutlass. She is known to have called it her pussy patroller. Dude, what the hell? <laughs> it's not true. I think you made that up. I can't help it if I am better at research than you are. You found that. I am happy to put that in the sources. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send us the link. <laughs> uh, I actually think now I need to put the pussy patroller on this week's art cover art. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm just I'm just seeing some version of that van from or not the van but the pickup truck from Kill Bill the pussy wagon or whatever it was. <laughs> but with two two old ladies anyway though don't you think if it was called that it wouldn't be a cutlass it probably what were those uh, other olds called olds eighty eight or yeah or a, a Delta Brom I don't know I don't know something <sighs> a caddy Lincoln Pontiac Bonneville yeah. so it's about nine p.m. and they're driving out in this two-lane back road because that's kind of where they live you know out there that's the way they get home it's a wooded area and colby's in the back and he sees a light above some trees and he tells his grandma and betty hey what's that up there so they initially think well you dumb son of a bitch go back to sleep it's just a an airplane because they're, they're not that far from houston international airport it's about 35 miles away so you'd see things coming in lined up for the runways they didn't really think too much of it uh, a few minutes later though they say they saw what they believe to be the same light as before, but now it's much closer and much brighter. And they went on to say that the light came from this huge diamond-shaped object. And that's another thing that I really like about this is the shape, the sound, everything from this is very different than what we see. Because, number one, there was sound. There was visible propulsion. 
Uh, and the shape is very different than like what we see with your saucer shapes or your cigar shapes, things that we're so used to hearing about in, in a lot of cases or your Delta wing, your, your, your triangle craft, things like that. As, and as we talked about with Ryan Sprague, I mean, sometimes the, they don't even, they're shapeless or they don't have shape according to the accounts. Right. This is the antithesis of that, uh, very detailed. Yeah. And they all gave the same account. So they said that the light came from, like I said, this is this diamond shaped object and it hovered about at the treetop level and that at the base of it, it was shooting out flames and it was hot, hot enough that it was far away. It was at the treetops and they were feeling heat coming on at them. And I don't know if you've ever been to one of the easy ways that you ever been to like a car show. And they have this in shown because I like car shows, but everyone said they do those flame competitions where they shoot flame out of their exhaust and shit like that. I don't know if you ever seen one of those. But I have. I honestly have not. A hundred feet I, away, it feels like a blowtorch hitting you in the face. You know what I mean? So, so they, they, what do they? They put a spark plug. Flame? They put a spark plug in their exhaust, and then they'll have it like set up so it's running rich, and then they'll they'll rev it up and they'll ignite the the spark plug. Oh, and so it doesn't burn all the gas that's exactly. going through the the engine flames, yeah. and shoot some out the back got it or they add propane or similar to the exhaust and ignite that yeah so landrum tells betty to stop the car and she literally said that she feared that if they got closer they could be burned because that's how hot it felt on top of that this is crazy here and this is this is one of the things where they're talking about before they realized that it was probably or before they changed to say that they realized it was probably a you know a u.s or a, a craft of some sort they said Vicky was a born again Christian and she's quoted as saying she does not believe, like I said, in little green men. So she saw this and said she thought it was the second coming of Jesus Christ. And she told her grandson, that's Jesus. He will not hurt us. I stopped here on this part of the story and, and looked it up in a few different places because I feel like a lot of the source material out there, uh, um, is making a translation for something that she didn't necessarily mean. This is directly from the transcript of her that she gave the police. Yeah, I, I heard the I heard the call. I I I, I heard that they there's actually a recording of her being interviewed uh, by not Mufon but another another organization, mm-hmm. and and she she tells it in explicit detail, and she told she said that she told him. That it was Jesus. I'm not disputing that. But uh, like when you read a lot of the articles, they say she believed it was the second coming of Christ. Now, did she believe that? Or was she saying that to a seven-year-old to make the seven-year-old less scared? Well, I mean, if you see Jesus, he's coming back. That's the fucking start of the rapture. She's probably got her fucking rolling her window down listening for the trumpets, man. <laughs> I think it's, it's possible. I think, those are just uh, listen, I think that's a, a hair that's not really needed to be uh, for me because I think they go hand in hand. She goes, she sees this. She goes, Jesus is coming back. We're witnessing the rapture. Uh, he's not going to hurt us. We're fine. Right. But well, I, I don't know. I just, it, I, it was an interesting detail to me uh, to as to whether she actually believes, you know, holy Lord, he's here. Or I'm just going to say this thing, and this is the first one that comes to mind, uh, to the seven-year-old, so the seven-year-old doesn't get scared out of his seven-year-old mind. Well, in, in the, the inter- interview, she said she thought it was a second. I read that she said she thought it was a second coming. So that's the way I took it. And I, I don't know. Okay. You know. People mistake me for Jesus a lot also. No, they don't. I don't think so. No, I, I don't. There's, <laughs> it's not even, no, they don't. 
Hey, but hey, let's see if you can walk on water. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Cash said that uh, she, I, I'm going to call her Cash because that's just awesome. Betty. Mm. Cash. Yeah, that's the way it goes. She, the full name effect, Betty Cash. Betty Cash. So she said she was anxious and she wanted to turn the car around because holy shit, but the road's so narrow and it kind of been raining. So the shoulders were soft. So she was actually scared that if she tried to turn around, she'd get stuck. The thing kept moving forward. They actually could be cooked, so to speak. So Vicky and Betty get out of the car to look at the object because it's getting so hot inside the car. And Colby got out with them, but he was so scared. They let him get back in. And, uh, i give you a little quote here. Jerome Clark wrote in uh, the book, we got some of the information this week from the UFO Encyclopedia, the phenomenon from the beginning that Betty Cash remained outside, quote, mesmerized by the bizarre sight. And she said the object intensely bright in a dull metallic silver was shaped like a huge upright diamond about the size of the Dayton water tower. And that's actually a good size because you kind of know how big water towers are. You know, that's a good not they say it's size of a mountain, size of a building. That's kind of a better way to say it. It's the size of a water tower. That's a tangible thing. We've all seen them. I don't know. I, I kind of prefer um, using Walmarts as a, <laughs> as a size indicator. But this no, one no, was go not ahead. bigger than a Walmart. You heard it here first. Go ahead with your water towers, <laughs> Trader. <laughs> she said, though, the difference uh, between it and a normal diamond is the top and the bottom are cut off. So they look to be flat rather than pointed. And small blue lights ringed around the center. And periodically over the next few minutes, flames would shoot out of the bottom flaring outward creating the uh, like a large cone of flame coming out and each time the fire anticipated the ufo would shoot up a few feet um uh, you know from coming downwards towards the road and when the flames blasted out it'd come up and think of like a um like a balloon you're in a hot air balloon you know and they do that and it comes up kind of same thing but the flame shooting down and it's rising up Seems like an inefficient mm-hmm. way to have propulsion, but we don't really know exactly what it was. And speaking of those flames, though, well, those were those were just the those were just the thrusters, right? Right. Just they, they were holding it steady. Speaking of those thrusters, yeah. though, John, those flames, all three of them said the heat was strong enough to make the car's metal actually painful to touch. When Betty turned around to get back in, she burned her hand. She said she had to use her coat, like wrap it around her hand, to be. Um, safe from being burned, which she did when she originally touched it. And uh, she finally gets back in the car. And when she touched the dashboard, Vicky uh, said that she put her hand on it as they, they got in the car and it pressed into the vinyl. Remember those had that soft vinyl dash. You had a Buick, you know, the same difference. Oh yeah. And the imprint that it left was evident up to like a week later. You could just see where her hand, because it had been so hot that it had gotten soft. And interesting, this is one of these things that investigators cited this, and MUFON got in, involved, and we'll talk about this, uh, as proof of witness account. However, no photos of it exist. And they took a lot of photos, and they don't have any of them. It's one of those things where you're like, really, MUFON? Really? But that's another story, or this story, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's another topic for this story. Maybe one we'll dive into deeper right, next week. Right. So then the three said that the object then took off, you know, extended over the treetops and rose higher to the sky. Then the fun starts. A group of helicopters approach, surrounding it in real tight. Like, and when I say a group, a bunch of them, because they counted twenty three helicopters, and they said they were huge 
double blade choppers and they showed them pictures and they all said it was a came down to the Boeing CH forty seven Chinook. Now I used to no, live. Actually, I, I you you misread that. Um, it said, uh, "Oh yeah, those are those were Airwolf." <laughs> and then every time they say that, the the theme song just started playing. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So I used to live by a military base, and they flew Chinooks out of there. And every once in a while, like about once a month, they do um, I guess out for training. And they would have two Chinooks that would go over my house and would sit there, and they were high up in the sky. It shook my fucking house. I can't even imagine. Yeah, they're really loud. Yes. And those twin blades, I can't imagine what 23 of those would have been. I mean, it would have been fucking loud, 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 and and just an impressive thing to see. Well, you know, the the other thing I was thinking about when they said they kind of got into formation how i i just i don't know the physics of aeronautics uh as well as i'm sure you do brent um the how close can chinooks be to each other without you know the the air flow that they're the disrupting messing with the one next to them? i mean they 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 create their own lift so as long as you're not right on top of a, or over top of one you're fine if you you know like jet wash, it's not as much of a thing unless you're like right over or right under one. I think would be the big difference. But they can they fly right next to each other, especially you know and or right in line with one another all the time. Got it. Like I said, they they kind of circled this thing as it was taken off, and now the road's clear and it, it's not as hot as it was, of course. So she kind of drives on, and they said though that. They saw glimpses of the object in the helicopters in the distance as like in the distances, like the trees cleared and and they were able to see it here and there, just like you would like a plane or something like that. And from the time of seeing it, getting out to them, being able to drive off was about 20 minutes. So let me recite this to you and make sure that um, that I understand the listeners at home understand there. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, this bright light gets brighter. It shows up. It's this diamond-shaped craft with thrusters and fire. Uh, eventually, Chinooks head into the same airspace, form in tight formation around that uh, that aircraft, and then eventually they, they kind of in unison uh, rise above the trees and fly away. Well, one of them had these uh, giant bars sticking off the side of one of the helicopters, and it was playing a tone with lights. Uh, she said it was looked like it was trying to communicate with them. Colby didn't see this though because he was in the back seat making a mountain out of mashed potatoes. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, Siba, uh, do you by any chance have the sounds that 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 particular helicopter was making? No, that's not. <laughs> no, it's that that play the real the one. Sound they were playing. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's in close encounter of the third kind, third kind, so third kind. <laughs> that was kind of meta. That was like a joke inside of a joke oh. wrapped in, in a, another joke. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, so that's it. They're like, that was weird. And they went home and they lived their lives. The end. other than <laughs> not exactly other than the part about close encounters. Is that a fair recitation of what happened? Yeah, time? so far. I mean, you know, the the heat and the definite, you know, the burning. She she burned her hand and things like that. But uh, um, so far, that's pretty much what had happened is they got stopped on the road because they felt in danger. Like they couldn't really go further 
or they could actually burn themselves up. And they said, though, and you, you'll find, they said that it was over the road, and where it was over the road, it was so close to the road, and you said, like, those thrusters were shooting down, it was burning the asphalt, and it, it, it burned the asphalt below where it was uh, before they drove off, and before it flew off. I guess kind of like um, the the car itself, the dashboard being imprintable, I suppose, you know, like an asphalt road can get hot enough during oh, summer. That, even in just in the summer, you can have bubbling and shit like that. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah like, uh, I don't think I, I, I guess what I'm saying is that makes sense to me that something could get that hot, that it would have those effects, but not, it's not like it, it was hot enough to ignite the people or, right. you know, make right. the tires melt or anything. It was just, it was hot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they didn't exactly go home and live the rest of their life like they, like I said. Uh, there was some aftermath to this, a lot of aftermath, and we're gonna get to that after the break. Coming up next on Hysteria Fifty One. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hello, everyone. I'm Danny Pellegrino. I'm Jenna Brister. And we are back for season two of a very merry, iconic podcast. We're going to be diving into your favorite holiday movies, recapping them, and going on a few tangents. Yes, and it's the end of the world as we know it. So why not close out 2020 with a bunch of episodes of Holiday Recap with us? So we hope Mm -hmm. everyone grabs a cup of eggnog. And a fistful of candy. Cook that bird and Doritos. The oven. We don't care what you're into. Just join us. Grab your bed wine. Grab your couch cocoa. We're getting lit on the holiday movies. We'll be doing 10 recap episodes. So subscribe to A Very Merry Iconic Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And find us on social media at A Very Merry Iconic Podcast on Instagram. And we'll have all the updates there. A-Cash, A-Cash, A-Cash recommends. like i was just i don't know what i was doing there yeah i liked Did it you just not do that again ever I'll like do this. never once again in the entirety of the show i'm just gonna do this think people think we get letters <laughs> <laughs> i mean like handwritten like i i would be neat dear Seabot, please die love colby <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get into some of the aftermath we're not gonna break down as much our thoughts there's a lot of aftermath, a lot of aftermath to this. This, like, I yeah, said, we'll cover the, kind of the, we'll cover the the things that happened yeah. after this to the you know to the folks involved, kind of the more factual based yeah. stuff, and then we'll we'll discuss uh, indiscriminately with no regard for fact <laughs> uh, with a bunch of other people next week. But the aftermath, uh, unlike some of the other things we've talked about, the aftermath, so to speak, started pretty much that night, almost right away in the form of sickness for the, the the trio. So after the whole incident, as they, they call it, uh, Cash took the Landrums home. Uh, Colby, Betty Cash. Yeah, Colby was, was staying with Grandma, Vicky, and then she went home herself. And Vicky, Landrum said that Colby woke up sick in the middle of the night asking for water. And she said he'd been throwing up. He'd thrown up all over himself, all over the bed. And she thought he had a fever he just was sick and then soon so she's trying to take care of him and then boom she starts getting similar symptoms she's feeling like shit 
the next day she hasn't got a hold of of Betty at all. So she thinks, well, I better go see her because Colby was sick. I'm feeling sick. I, I want to see how she's doing. And Betty, who remember Betty stayed outside when Colby got back in the car. So Vicky got back in the car with him. She, well, I mean, why would she? She's Betty Cash. Yeah, she's very sick. So the symptoms that, that she was having, were, and most of them were having, were nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Now, I think you're thinking, you know, just need some some pink bismuth. See, I use the generic name, so we can't get sued. Uh, but then generalized weakness. Oh, man. If the things we say actually would get us sued, <laughs> that would be the least of our concerns. Uh, burning sensation in the eyes and a feeling as though... They were suffering from sunburn all over all over their bodies. I've had worse hangovers. I have no doubt that that's true. I kind of thought he was going to say he's had worse burning sensations, <laughs> which I would also believe. Uh, so Cash said her symptoms worsened and uh, a bunch of large sores or blisters start forming on her skin. That's fucking terrifying when that starts happening. And so she was taken to the emergency room on January 3rd of 1981. So now if you remember, this was on the 29th. So a few days go by. She's no bueno. She's not feeling good at all. Well, I I think she's probably learned her lesson to avoid UFOs. I mean, uh, I'll give let, let me let me explain what I'm saying. Uh short anecdote, my uh my little guy Lincoln was over at his nana's house and helping her make mac and cheese, and he decided to touch the stove. They have one of those flat-top stoves mm-hmm. that, that aren't gas, that are electric, and he hadn't, didn't really recognize it's that, electric. and he decided to touch it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, formed blisters, and, you know, it, I, I I call that a low-cost accident, uh, or a high-value accident, even. Right, because guess what? won't do it again. He's, n- <laughs> he's never doing that shit Ouch. again. That's right. Ouch. And I would Ouch. offer that... The Simpsons. <laughs> he won't do yeah. it again. <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> I would offer that Betty Cash and the Landrums learned a valuable lesson and they will never be involved with a UFO again. Well, guess what? Colby was abducted two nights late. No, I'm joking. (laughs) So, but no, but for real though, on January 3rd, they did take Betty Cash to the emergency room and she reported at that time uh, that she couldn't walk. She was so weak. She'd lost large patches of skin, like for like open sores and clumps of her hair were falling out. She was she was going bald. And she goes in and they start treating her. And she's initially she's initially released after 12 days. Her condition wasn't a lot better, but they didn't want to keep her. And it worsened back. She was readmitted to the hospital. She stayed in for another 15 days um, for these these issues that she was having, these these skin abrasions, this weakness you know, hair loss, things like that. And then in 1985, uh, HBO actually did a documentary called UFOs. What's going on. And they talked to, to Betty cash. She claimed she was treated for cancer after being exposed to uh, what she called the radioactive UFO. Quick comment on that. UFOs. What's going on. That is a terrible name. That is for a, a very eighties, seventies, even it's six, true. That, UFOs, that does scream eighties, doesn't it? They just sit <laughs> like, down. You just want to hear a- Axel F in the background. UFOs. What's going yeah. on? Do, There's do, dancers do, do, for do, some do, reason do, on do. each side of the stage. UFOs. What's going on? Everyone held <laughs> elbow patches in that episode. <laughs> Wasn't that also a four non-blonde song? What's going on? No, that was He-Man. <laughs> You're mistaken. 
Uh, I said, hey, hey. <laughs> anyway, though, so uh, interestingly enough, we're talking about her real quick. The Landrum's health was somewhat better, but they both suffered from uh, lingering weakness. They had skin sores and hair loss, too, but they weren't hospitalized. Now, you think about what causes something like this, and this is important. And I thought that uh, Unsolved Mysteries did a pretty good job because they actually talked to doctors that um, had been with them at that time. They actually talked to, and in the report you can find, there was a radiologist who examined the witnesses, and the medical reports were actually included in, in the MUFON record. So if you go, you can read it online. And he said, we have strong evidence that these patients have suffered secondary damage to ionizing radiation. It is also possible that there was an infrared component as well. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is just a doctor. It's almost as if you've been doing too much science. Too much science? Is that possible? <laughs> what an exactly? Idiot. Like, 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 let's let's just let's take a step. Where'd back. you get your degree? The degree store. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, okay. So, serious question this time, though. It's obvious that Betty Cash. Uh, it's it's obvious that her like um, exposure was worse to whatever it was. Right. Um, certainly, more severe symptoms mm-hmm. thereafter. I, what I didn't find in any of the research I did was any kind of explanation about like their positioning outside of the car. Meaning, was she like closer to the source? So she was standing of- in front of the car and she wasn't shielded by any of the, you know, though it's not going to give you that much help. You know, it's going to have to go through the the metal, the engine block, the, the things like that. We're assuming that the Landrums were somewhat. Shielded, shielded by the car. Yeah, yeah. You know, as far as whatever it was, uh, they were talking about like to her doctor who had, you know, that had had been working with her. He's like, what we really want to know is if this was a military thing, what kind of radiation was she exposed to? Because that will help us in the treatment because everything right. is different. And as of right now, we don't know. So the the supposition being. That the car provided some sort of relief that made it well, that not and as they bad weren't fucking th- standing underneath it like she was. Right, you know? right, right. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. understood. So there, I, I said that part. That that's part for the doctor. So there's an investigator. His name's Brad Sparks. We've actually spoke of him before, and he 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 says that although the symptoms were somewhat similar to those caused by ionizing radiation, how rapid of onset was only consistent with massive dose that would have meant certain death in a few days. Since all the victims lived for years after the event, Sparks suggests that the cause of the symptoms was some kind of chemical contamination, uh, presumably by an aerosol. That's crazy. And just going off, telling you the rest of it, uh, Betty ended up with multiple types of cancer. Uh, she lived for 18 more years. Uh, and every year she was hospitalized for cancer or related symptoms at least once, uh, before her death. And she spent the rest of her days believing that she had been poisoned by radiation, by what she felt was probably the military. Now there is a lot that we've already given you. There's a lot to unpack and that's not near the end of the story. Like I said, uh, some of the things that we, we still need to talk about, we have other eyewitnesses, including a police officer, a lawsuit against the U.S. government, multiple investigations. Where are these pictures? What happened? And, of course, the possibility that it's all just a coincidence and these things timed up 
but they seemed to be thinking they saw something and it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with their sicknesses. Next week, uh, we're planning to be joined by Dr. Chris Cogswell and Rob Christofferson. If all things line up, we're both going to discuss with both of them all these things and really break down how she could have got sick. What else could it have been? What brings things like this on? And uh, is there an easier explanation or could it just be, um, you know, I don't know. And if it was the military, what could it have been if it wasn't aliens? Isn't it weird? This like, it's almost easy to say this one was aliens. <laughs> and these ladies are like, it wasn't aliens, you dumb fuck. Just, just dismiss him. Yeah. Hey, if we're going to have Cogswell back on, can you just politely ask him beforehand to um, stop whispering sweet nothings to to me what he's saying Um, is you know nothing you know nothing oh but what about the kissy sounds (laughs) that's just him trying to get one over with kyle because he's kind of attracted to him oh i see i didn't have that context (laughs) yeah some strange things did happen nothing you could be a king in the north (laughs) uh so john yeah that's a very very short abridged telling of the the cash landerman incident well was it everything you hoped for and more where you're at right now with your feelings right now without uh, an extensive amount of research done on the, um, on all of the other investigations into it. I, I think I'm actually with the, the experiencers here, like whether it was, whether, I mean, it sounds like the government, um, but like something very terrestrial in nature, uh, did some very bad shit to them. And, um, I mean, they, these people had real things happen to them. They were it was, it's documented, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they and now I guess I guess you could say that they were all three lying about the experience themselves. Um, but the reality is they had a lot of negative side effects. I mean, ultimately, you, did you say that Betty was in the hospital every year uh, for she, the next 18 years yes. until the end of yeah, her life? Not like. For eighteen years, but she was hospitalized at least once a year for once an extended I, yeah. period of time due to these things, um, due to cancer that she felt was was a part of this. She fought she fought cancer for the next eighteen years. Yeah, obviously they could be un- untethered and unrelated, but the reality is that this is somebody who went through hell, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, literal hell, uh, off and on for eighteen years. Um, I, t- I take that seriously, I, and and I. I I have I, I can't wait to do more research and or and actually be informed by our guests next time. And I've already got some some theories as to what it might be, but it is so intriguing and yet so scary that that something like this could happen and the more likely explanation is that <laughs> is that it was earthbound. Uh, it's like you said, it wouldn't it, this would just be so much easier if you could dismiss it as aliens. Yeah, or just out there, you know, uh the other thing is, too, and I just want to throw this out. One of the things I've seen people talk about is Colby has not been one to do a lot of interviews and things like that. And when he does, he talks about the experience and people go, he was seven years old. How much can he fucking remember? And I always like this is one of those things. When I was six, my dad fell off a roof and broke his back. He was right in front of me and he was paralyzed. And I rem- long story short, I can tell you minute by minute everything that happened for like the next hours. Um, cause it's like ingrained, it's one of those things where it just like blasted into your memory. You know what I mean? 
a traumatic event. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Absolutely. Well, that was one of those things that people have been like, how, how can you even fucking remember? Uh, yeah, this is something crazy. And then, you know, you went and you talked to the cops and you talked to these and that and the military. As we're going to find out, I wholly believe that he could have remembered. And it's not like he's making outlandish claims or later going, I don't remember, you know, uh, stuff. So that's the Cash Landrum uh, intro. And I agree with you. By, by the way, Brent, I agree with you 100% that when you're seven, you absolutely could remember it if it's a traumatic enough event, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that, that is not surprising to they me. They say you can remember it as young as three. If you do something horrible, like your parents let you burn your fingers or something like that. Or, you know, yeah. On a stove <laughs> making mac and cheese. Um, however, you know, the, I, I always come back when we talk about memory, I always come back to this, um, this analogy I heard somewhere and I don't remember where I think we've, we've talked about it here before that accessing your memories is like accessing like a, the like the physical version of that would be like accessing a uh, a magazine like taking a magazine out reading it over putting it back taking a mag if you by the time you've done it a hundred times that magazine is not in the same shape it was when you started and that's the way a lot of neuroscientists mm-hmm. explain memories and uh, that every time you access it, it it changes a little bit and then as time Some goes on, you know, hey, yeah, I know, I understand your brain. <laughs> Wait, what? <Who? laughs> and as time goes on, your brain kind of fills in little gaps that might have been there. Might none of this consciously. Nobody right, saying right, 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 I'm right. going to make up a story, right? Um, and I am not saying that this has happened with Colby's story at all. But I always find it interesting when we look back, whether it's a seven year old or a seventy year old, when we look back at something that was years and years and years ago, uh, how the story. Um, uh, uh, can be affected by time progressing. I, I, I just, I, I find that interminably interesting. Um, and it comes up in so many of these stories. Well, this stories. one isn't uh, affected too much because he doesn't really do interviews. Um, it, it, now I say that and he was interviewed this year for something. Uh, uh-huh. that was, um, you know, a new show that came out and it was kind of just a, they actually finally got a hold of him. It's only been like a couple times over the whole thing because, yeah, he doesn't want to. I guess uh, any real big part of it. So good. For I got to tell you too, if I had any of this kind of shit happen in my life, I would be, I would become a recluse. Like I, I, I would do the exact opposite of going out and telling my story and being interviewed. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> no, I get that. Because I mean, how many times have we talked about these kind of things on this show and the media attention is never a positive in these people's lives. Well, right, and then you can be like Bob Lazar and not make any money off it as you're writing, having books written and selling posters and doing movies and flying around the world. But, you know, hey, no money. <laughs> and and getting book deals and, and, and money. And, but I digress. That's our thought. Wait, 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 wait. No. Uh, yeah, he got a, uh, think- he got like, I forget what the, uh, for the book deal, he got a, a decent chunk of money. Uh, oh, I want to say gotcha, for sure gotcha, because gotcha. I don't remember how much it was, but yeah. So hey, what are you gonna do? Okay, well, okay. If you go on the other side of the Bob Lazar story, it, the media attention still isn't good because it makes it harder to trade arms to the Iranians or whatever he's doing. <laughs> it's easy, right? Selling illegal. <laughs> isn't that what? Like, no, isn't that he was what some selling like, um, that, like he had he had sold some stuff that he should have been selling, and someone used it to murder someone. Um, was the gist of it? Not like Putin he wasn't arms Putin dealing. Used it to try to fucking rumors start. Did you guys hear that the Bob Lazar was arms dealing? <laughs> <Jesus>. To Putin. <laughs> anyway, that's yeah. our thoughts, John. Before we dig a bigger hole and we get sued by him, uh, <laughs> where can they go to let us know their thoughts? 
I would probably go to Facebook. Um, that's where that is the source of all truth in this world. Go to Facebook.com and search Hysteria Nation. It's our Facebook discussion group where we make fun of this and a whole lot more. Uh, Bob Lazar and, and everything UFOs, that is. Go to Facebook.com and search Hysteria Nation. Also, you can find our regular Facebook page at Facebook.com slash hysteria 51 pod patreon patreon.com slash hysteria 51 uh speaking of our venusian pal i just put out a new collaboration with david flora on there this week where we talked all things that pretty pretty venusian man uh so that and you can get up all nights and extra episodes like that and radio dramas and all sorts of fun stuff Leave a voicemail, 773-669-7277. Again, 773-669-7277. And if you forget any of these things, you can go to our webpage and find it all. Hysteria51.com, gofopedia.com. They'll get you the same place, G-O-F-O-P-E-D-I-A.com. Tell a friend. That's on the World Wide Web. Yeah, the, that's www. That's HTTP colon. (laughs) It's not uh, hysteria51.tor? No. No, we should should be on a fucking Onion browser. What am I doing? I I mean, seriously. (sighs) Come on. Get get with the program, man. I'm trying to figure that shit out because now I want it. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) I got to give Brent. I'm going to give Brent a major compliment here. What the fuck? When Brent decides that it's something that needs to happen. Whatever it is in life, get out of the fucking way. It it's doesn't happen, happen that often, but when I want something, I'm like, that, that's going to happen. Here we go. I, the, 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 shit that does the, most, the, great, the greatest example I can think of is Brent saw somewhere that someone had created their own version at home of Bebop, the pig <laughs> from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> And Brent's first thought when he saw that was not, you know, hey, cool, or maybe I'll snap a picture of that and share it in Hysteria Nation was, I have to fucking do that now. I need that. And within 24 hours, I, I have think, stapled he, a mohawk onto a real uh, mounted uh, pig's head. Yeah. <laughs> within 24 hours, you had all the pieces already ordered. And within one week, it was assembled and on your wall. Now, I mean, if if only he could use these powers for yeah. good. Like, should I use my dude, powers? Dude, can you just decide that we need a vaccine for COVID? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, inside a week, he'll have he'll have ordered a, a I don't know what are those what are those spinny things they call they use a in labs uh, a centrifuge and some petri dishes and and we'll have ourselves a vaccine. Oh man, the last thing I need is anything that involves petri dishes, but that's just my own thought there. Again, uh, kids, this was our first trip down the Cash Landrum rabbit hole. A lot more, some outside voices, and really breaking this one down because this is a fun one. And I thought that we could have some outside people do it justice. So that's coming up next week. Uh, yeah, stick stick around for it. Make sure you listen to both because I think it's going to be worth it. And I'm actually looking a lot forward, even more forward to next week's and this week's because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So I can't wait. Oh wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait. Was I supposed to use my outside voice there? Oh, yeah, Is that what yeah, you were yeah, saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <I know. laughs> Is That's why you can't there wait you for other people to be on the show. <laughs> so with that said, I've been Brent. Uh, I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. 
John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. Or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.